Sports. If you have not followed his Triple H Horse Racing Podcast, you're missing out. It's one of the best podcasts in the country. Good evening and welcome to episode 302 of the HHH Racing Podcast, one of the most anticipated shows of the year. It is the BC BC preview. I'm your host, Howard Kravitz. Thanks for joining us. Please make sure you hit that subscribe on the bottom right hand side of the screen. After you do that, hit the notification bell so that you know when new content will rise and smash that like button. We'd greatly appreciate it. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. We have fantastic power picks. Look below the video player. We have the Breeders' Cup Power Picks tip sheet. It's now available. It's only 20 bucks for both days combined. It's almost 30 pages of information. You're that correctly. Almost 30 pages of information on the Breeders' Cup Friday and Saturday. Look down below the video player. I'll show you where you can find it on our fantastic website, which you now can see there, HHH racingpodcast.com. We also have, uh, we're also on Instagram as well. Check us out there. You can follow us at instagram.com backslash HHH racing podcast. Let me show you also where you can find a lot of exciting shows that we have coming up because we have live shows, obviously tonight. We also have live shows Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday as well. Here is our YouTube channel, just go to the search bar, type in HHH Racing Podcast. And if you scroll down, you can see our there's our upcoming live shows that we have, post-draw reaction, Friday preview, Saturday preview blowout, and then our Breeders' Cup shows. We've had many already. Let me make this a little bit bigger so you folks can see. We've had many already, including a special one on Cody Dorman. We had a live interview or not live, but we had an interview with Aiden O'Brien, international entry preview, pre-entries, Larry Colmus. You can click back. Just an incredible amount of coverage information here on the channel. Really recommend you guys uh, check that out. And then, of course, our tip sheet information. Let me just show that very quickly before I bring in our fantastic guests. All right, go to our website. Again, hhhracingpodcast.com. Right at the top, just click there. Uh, and it takes you to the Power Picks tip sheet. You can find out all about it. There it is. It's only 20 bucks. What are you waiting for? Please look into it, especially if you're a BCBC contest player. We've got a lot of people watching. Please comment if you're on YouTube. And I recommend you go there. Please comment in the live chat. And I want to give a special shout out to Tim Schramm, uh, who is head of the Breeders Cup Betting Challenge, along with Jim uh, Goodman. And uh, Tim sent out the leak for the show. I'm assuming we're going to have many uh, players who plan on playing in the BCBC. So please comment in the live chat. We also already have uh, Robbie Courtney here. Let's go. We have Jeff Amster here. Uh, Smogington, the legend. Well, I don't know about that, but thank you, Smogington. I appreciate the legend Howard has arrived. Oh, look, we've got, uh, again, we have a lot of new People in the chat, I'm sure Todd Harmon. Todd, uh, hello. Welcome to the show. Looking forward to a good show. We got a lot of uh, people here as well. Uh, Larry Colmus was great. Thank you. We've got uh, Richard Avalar. We got a lot of people in the chat. And oh, look who just joined in the green room. A, a new look for our returning champion. Very excited to 
bring him on. All right. Without further ado, uh, we have quite the show tonight. It's going to be approximately an hour long. Um, it's not necessarily a handicapping show as much as strategy for a contest such as the BCBC, but obviously we'll be talking about um, some handicapping as well. And look who's here. Paul Halloran, the grade one gamble champ, is here taking assiduous notes. Nice, nice word there, Paul. All right. Let's bring in our fantastic guest tonight. What a lineup I have. First of all, we're going to go in reverse chronological order. First of all, the returning champ, the 2022 BCBC champ, Drew Coatney, the 2021 BCBC champ, Matt Miller, the 2020 BCBC champ, Marshall Graham, and one of the best contest players in the world who has not won a BCBC yet, but he's got his name attached to one of these huge ones, Frank Mustari. Guys, how are we doing tonight? Terrific. All good, Howard. Good to see you. Drew's got the little got the little facial hair going. I like it, Drew. Yeah, we we uh, as as a wise friend once said, uh, you probably should shave this beard before you enter the Breeders' Cup because you never know when you have to take a winner's picture. Ah. And, uh, I'm staring at a clean-shaven face uh, with a bunch of friends, you included, from last year. So short-lived. I may do a mustache for the uh, Halloween costume. So. All right. Drew, I saw on X or Twitter, I was wondering if you uh, maybe in a week from now are going to have a, a pumpkin carved with hmm, elite power, perhaps? I'm, I'm abbreviating that one to EP because carving out flight wire of a pumpkin was was a terrible endeavor. Don't uh, <laughs> all right. get hurt at the end of it. Well, guys, first of all, I want to thank all of you publicly uh, for coming on tonight. We had a blast last year. I want to let everyone know on our uh YouTube channel. Last year's recap is episode 205, and it was a great show. Drew was on with a bunch of other people, talked about how he won last year's BCBC. Again, that was episode 205. I highly recommend you guys check that out on the channel. Guys, I've got uh, 10 questions, a lot of 10 minutes to post, even though they're not going to be rapid fire. We'll get to those in a minute. Drew, I'm going to throw you a first question that is not part of our 10 minutes to post. Are you? Do you consider yourself I mean, you are the returning champion, but I mean, do you see it that way? Just going with no pressure at all? How do you feel coming in as the winner from last year? Yeah, I, I, I had a lot of pressure more at the grade one gamble, right? Kind of first time entering a big contest, got it done. Can I prove my worth again? And that was really where I was most nervous. Um, and uh, thanks, Paul, for coming way over the top because nine times out of ten, the score that I put up wins the, the darn thing. Uh, that that helped make me feel more confident. Belmont contest finished fourth uh, conservatively, and then uh, here we are today. So I, I don't have a ton of pressure. I think if I was uh, on the Schneid since then, that would that might change things a little bit for me. But I'm feeling good. I'm excited to see everyone. I mean, that's really what it's all about. So. Yeah, that is, that is what it's all about. And before we get into all your guys' accolades, just because we have a lot of people probably watching tonight that may not be familiar with the podcast or myself just very briefly i've been a handicapper for 30 years i've only been involved in contest play for about three years though for no particular reason other than i just wasn't really familiar with it and i've had success uh qualified and did well in the top 40 last year of the nhc qualified this year for the nhc uh qualified for the b or was in the bcbc this is my third year and I had some success at the pegasus 
uh, betting challenge, the ultimate betting challenge and a, a few other places. So I uh, don't say that to brag other than just let people know that I am a contest player along with host of this great pod and handicapper. Let's go ahead, guys, and get into uh, 10 focus questions. And because there's five of you tonight, I'm not going to necessarily ask each one of you the, the question. It'll, it'll be uh, a round table for some questions. Other questions, I might just ask one or two of you. And if other people want to chime in, you'll have that opportunity. So without further ado, we have 10 minutes to post. 10 minutes to post. Here we go, guys. You're going to see questions on the bottom of the screen. What a great panel we have. We'll also, we'll interject questions as well from uh, the live chat. This is going to go to everyone, and you might, guys, there can be a few questions similar from last year, but also some different ones. Let's talk about overall philosophy. Uh, going to be, you know, bet hard on Friday, wait till Saturday, turf versus dirt. Just uh, are you in it to win it completely, uh, or are you just trying to accumulate a certain bankroll? Just general overall philosophy. Drew, I'll let you start first. Oh, come on. I, I, this is three questions in a row. There's, I want to hear other people talk, but I, I, I'm focused on where can I leverage my bankroll the most? And then also where can I start earlier in the card to get some momentum? I'll keep it short and sweet. We no, that's great. If we have more time. Matt Miller, 2021 BCBC champ, overall philosophy. I'm not in love with the two-year-old races in and so my expectation is with both entries to be firing three minimums each day. It would be great, like in 2021, if I could actually hit a double or something nice like that to actually build a bankroll. That's the goal with the way I play my minimums. But I'm not going to be taking any you know, big all-in pushes or anything like that. I do agree. I saw the comment from Richard. I do think Tamar is probably the biggest favorite on the weekend. But... I think so many of us have been made to feel so foolish for putting too much trust in two-year-olds over the years. So I'm, it's just not going to be me this year. Marshall, thanks for joining the show. Hope things are going in, uh, assuming you're in the Memphis area. Uh, overall philosophy. Yeah, um, I, I, you know, I'll probably tread lightly on Friday as well. I'm not big on the two-year-old races. Uh, um, certainly not enough to, to bust out day one. Uh, you know, I, I'm probably going to try to get my number before the last two races, before the sprint, before the turf sprint. I don't, I don't, you know, the turf sprint seems wide open to me, and you know, just looking at those race, that race gave me a headache. And the sprint, um, you know, has a big favorite and has a short field, so I'm going to try to do something earlier, and then, uh, you know, hopefully be in the great position of playing defense uh, instead of uh, you know making a final stab uh, in those last two races. Uh, Smogginton agrees with you, weary of betting two-year-olds. Uh, I have a little whiplash from last year that I'm sure Matt remembers we can talk about from last Friday. Uh, I, I, <laughs> Cave Rock put, put us into a locker, unfortunately, uh, for many people at our particular table. Frank Vasari, overall philosophy. Yeah, to me it doesn't matter what day it is, late in the game, early in the game. Once the PPs come out and I start handicapping, if – if I have a big opinion in the undercard race on Friday, I'll I'll make a move there. I don't uh, I won't be probably putting my life on the line in a lot of the turf races because the, the Euros to me is not something I I know. Uh, so I don't want to put my life on them or let them beat me. So I'm pretty confident even without seeing the PPs, uh, I'll I'll be betting a, the dirt races mostly and. Uh, 
whatever race that is, uh, that's where I'll uh, have a big part of my bankroll. Perhaps you're going to have a bet on next in in a marathon race if it's Friday or Saturday. I'm not sure. I don't think we know yet, but it'll be coming out very soon. Frank, I'm going to show the prize pool. Now, this is approximation. I'll make it bigger full screen here. This is, of course, an approximation for everyone. And there's something I don't think it's been done before. You guys will know better than me. You can see, again, approximately 360 for first place, plus, of course, your bankroll. But there's also a Friday uh, whoops, where are the rules? Let me go to the rules here. Sorry about that. There is also a Friday uh, bonus for people that are live. I'm going to go ahead and make this, put this on the screen and make it uh, a little bit bigger. Frank, is that going to influence your decision or anyone else's decision or should it influence anyone's decision? If you guys can read right there, this is at the end of day one, but you have to be there in person. Uh, some nice prizes there. Yeah, I, it, it won't influence me much. I mean, if I get to the last race on Friday and I'm in somewhat contention, I might pay a little attention to that to say, hey, there's extra money out there for this day, but I won't be going crazy to try to you know capture that. Uh, but it'll be in the back of my mind. It's extra money to give out. And uh, so, so I'll be aware of it, but nothing that I'm going to lose all my money <laughs> to chase that when, I, when I'm trying to hit the first place prize overall. Just general question: Are any of you guys interested in that? Uh, I shouldn't say interested. That sounds disrespectful to to those prizes. But is that does that do anything for you at all? The other four of you? I think it. I think it's a nice gesture. I think it's hey, anyone who comes out, you're going to make a move early. That's great. Thanks so much for being on track. We're going to hand out a whole ton of money. I think it's great. I think it's nice. I don't think it, I don't think they're expecting anyone to chase them. I haven't talked to Tim Schramm and team directly, but I think it's a great gesture to say, hey, we're not going to hit it out on the last day because we're just going to add on to what they already won who's on track. But hey, for this day, let's make it a little bit interesting. I again, I don't think many people are going to chase, but, you know, it'd be great to walk home with, you know, any of our contests outside of this contest. That's a that's a heck of a prize right there in and of itself. So to, to be able to make a, you know, maybe it's a, you're sitting in, 10th and all it takes is another thousand dollars i don't know maybe another five hundred dollars may not be the worst thing another minimum to get out of the way it's gonna be interesting matt until you lose a big dollar amount by 500 or a thousand sort of like poker right i mean it's i think some people are gonna press up a little bit in the last race more than they normally will i do think that'll happen a six thousand dollar pegasus seat is a nice prize absolutely uh i i think frank said it pretty well i don't think this becomes anyone's primary goal but it definitely hits the radar as a secondary goal. And like Drew said, if just adjusting one's bet amount is enough, you know, just a slight adjustment is enough to give you access to that day one prize pool. Yeah, you're probably making the mistake not to go for it. Yeah, you know, I, again, I wouldn't ruin my whole breeder's cup over it or whatnot. But if it's just a matter of a few hundred strategic dollars here or there, absolutely. Uh, Robbie Courtney is a question, but it's actually one of our 10 minutes to post, uh, 10 minutes to post questions. So don't answer it yet, guys, because that Robbie, great minds think alike. We will, if it's you, Robbie, good luck, by the way, but we'll be talking about that. And Dewey fan, thanks for joining the show. Likes Candide in the juvenile Philly dirt race on Friday, who won very big in the Alcibiades uh, at Keelan. This is a perfect question for you, Matt. Let's go on to the second question. And then I think from this point forward, guys, in general, just let you guys interject 
if anything, although there are a few questions I want to hear from over, from everyone. Matt, you've been very infamous on the bottom of the screen of not watching the leaderboards. One of your big philosophies uh, for people that are not aware, I'd like you to explain the reason why you really don't watch the leaderboard at all, except for social reasons, and you just pretty much have a score that you want to get to. Feel free to divulge it if you like. I'm assuming it's pretty much the same score every year. However, it just seems like the winning score continues to get higher and higher. Yeah, uh, no secret. I target 125,000 every year. It's what I would recommend to anybody, at least as a starting point. You then have to see how the tournament progresses. But honestly, what happens in the first 95% of this tournament has no bearing on the ending other than the positioning that it enables people to take. So if you've got a large balance, you can really stake out a big position at the end in a, in a way that someone with a smaller balance is going to have to take a far more leveraged or risky position. So yeah, yeah. at the end of the day, uh, the target remains the target. It's 125,000. And as I would go throughout the day, you said it, it's social reasons. I'm, I'm rooting for friends. I'm always curious to see who's up there. Uh, I guess there's some game theory element where I do know how certain people play and I will be cognizant of that. But for the most part, people don't really beat other people in these tournaments. People beat the shit out of themselves. <laughs> it's, it's all a matter of where you blow yourself up. It's not a matter at the end of, you know, of people having to go at each other that much. It, it, sometimes that happens, but it's pretty infrequent. So really, I wouldn't get too hung up on anybody. You see a big, huge total after, you know, one of the undercard races on Friday, I don't care at all. Uh, you know, it, unless, okay, if that's 126,000, I guess my target just changed. But other than that, e even if the number was 124,000, I don't think that would change my target at that point. So, you know, good on whoever can do that, but I'm not really paying attention other than looking for friends. Yeah, well, it happened last year, Mr. Portnoy put a big number up on day one, and unfortunately I struggled day two. Marshall, if you could just really quickly comment on the question on the bottom or comment on the bottom, and then really quickly let people know what you do for a living because obviously math comes into your life every day as it does for me as well. So what's the, which question? Uh, just oh, so, in terms of watching the leadboard and a target score. Oh, okay, okay. Tell me what you bad. do also because maybe some people don't know. No, I'm a, I'm a college professor at Rhodes College uh, in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, I teach economics. In fact, I've taught the economics of racetrack wagering markets uh, a couple years after uh, the first year I taught it after I won the BCBC, I had record enrollment for, uh, for Rhodes, probably the largest class I've been taught in a while. I taught 75 students, which again, for my small college is, um, is a, a big class target scores. No, I don't, uh, you know, I'm like Matt, I don't really, uh, I probably won't even look at the leaderboard until the end of the day, Friday. Um, and then I'll look at it sporadically on Saturday, um, you know, up until the last few races, but, uh, um, you know, it, but it's not, again, really up until you get to the last race. I don't think it much, much matters. It's really more about yourself and where you want to be to put yourself in that position and to, until I'm in a position that I want to be in. So like, I suppose if I make a big early move and have a big number, then I'll look at it a lot more as you start trying to play a little more defense, but, uh, but no, I won't be, I won't be watching it. 
Frank, it's fair to ask you. I think it's good for everyone. We've got a lot of new people, by the way, in the chat. Also some new contest players, too. So this is great intel uh, and wonderful evergreen uh, content for people to watch for a long time. And that's why we're going to put this show also, everyone, on our betting strategies section of our YouTube channel as well. Uh, Frank, your thoughts on the leaderboard and the target score? Yeah, same with those guys. I don't pay much attention to the leaderboard. I'll I'll look at it periodically just to see who's up there. Um, the thing I will do on Saturday, and I'm pretty sure most contest players do it, you know, there's probably 10 or 12 guys that I want to know what their bankroll is um, because those are the guys that I know could put up a big score. You know, I, I you know, it won't hurt my feelings if the guys on this panel are all broke midway through Saturday. Let's put it that way. So <laughs> that, that would not hurt my, I don't want me to be broke, but the rest of the guys that would, uh, that would make, and I'm sure they would feel the same about the rest of the guys on the panel too. So, but I think, you know, you got to pay attention to who's on that leaderboard, who has money and, you know, Matt's the kind of guy he'll, I'm sure some point next week, he'll be on a podcast and he's going to tell the whole world what he's doing. He's going to tell his play and he's going to say, I'll bet me, you know? So um, that's something that he does each and every year and it, it works. You know, so, but I want to, you know, I want to see where my main competition is and I'll be looking at their bankrolls come, you know, probably mid Saturday is probably when it really starts to get interesting. I think. Well, we talked about this last year, Frank, in the bottom, and it's not a particular question that I have on the screen, but obviously I need to, you know, piggyback off some things you said. There's only a small amount of people that are really going to go for it at the end and try to win this thing. And so you have to pay attention to who's up there on the leaderboard at some point if you want to win real quick whip around uh are you going to be there live and are you playing one or two entries i'll answer my own question i will be there live i bought in for one i unfortunately didn't qualify this year i tried several times had one of the most brutal beats ever that i know matt miller remembers because i was on the phone with him i don't want to relive it uh that happened over the summer in a two dollar mythical win place but anyway um i bought in for one i'm gonna try i'm gonna be there live and I'm playing the last chance Thursday to try to qualify for a second. Real quick, Drew, live, how many? Uh, yes, he's going to be there, and he has two entries. Matt? Two, live. Can't wait. Marshall? Two, uh, live, that I'll be playing online, live. I I, I'm scared of what Drew had to do with $500 bet minimums. So uh, um, so I'm going to play from there. Drew, you want an imitation of that? We see the, the nonverbal. Oh, my God. There it is. <laughs> we just keep going. <laughs> just carries those around everywhere, right? Yeah. It's been motivation uh, for the week. That's that's crazy. But, I mean, I, oh. I started with $3,700 on that, on that run. So it's been uh, a motivation of just believe in yourself. Frank? Yeah, I'll be live and I'll be playing two entries also. Okay, uh, let's go on to the next question. I know we have a lot of people in the chat asking great questions, and we'll get to them, uh, including Stephen Scott also asked a question about that's more related to amateur players. Um, we'll, Stephen, we'll get back to your question, I promise, at the very end. Next question, guys. Now, this is interesting, and I'm going to send this to you, Frank. Uh, for the first time in the history of the Breeders' Cup, as far as I know, and this is the 40th year. The Classic is not the last race this year. The Classic is the third to last race for television rights reasons. I don't want to get into the politics or why or whatever. Who cares? It is what it is. 
Um, it is, again, the third to last race. There's the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint, and then the Dirt Sprint is the last race of the B of the BCBC, and the last race also um, of the Breeders' Cup as well. It's the ends, the pick sixes, the, everything. Will that change anything for you, Frank? No, nothing at all, uh, because I, I'm going to bet, you know, what I like, when I like it, and so it doesn't really matter to me. Um, and, you know, they should have probably ended it with the turf sprint because the chaoticness, if that's a word, that's going to happen in that five furlong turf sprint could totally change that leaderboard dramatically because, you know, to me, it's a crapshoot. You're going to have to get a lot of luck in that race. And uh, so, so you know, so that, that changes things. But uh, other than that, I don't look forward to the Classic necessarily as a betting race. If it's, it turns into be a betting race, I'm betting it. If not, you know, it is what it is. So uh, the only reason that the Classic, I think, was such a big deal for this contest is because it's the last race. But I'm sure the Breeders' Cup Sprint now will be a big deal to the guys in this thing because it's the last race and that's where you're probably going to have to make your big move or, or people are going to make their big move in that last race when they know what that leader has. Turf sprint chaos, Matt, sort of like maybe golden pal having an issue in the gate with one of the handlers or crap like that. I mean, five furlong turf sprints already hard enough as it is. Although for a Justin Mustari, I, I believe it worked out well last year. And I think a trifecta with Caraval. Is that right, Frank? Do I remember that correctly? He actually had a, a $200 double Caravel to Cody's wish that day. Um, nice. And he, yeah, so that, I think that got him back at like right about 50,000 and uh, put him in good position there. So uh, it doesn't take, uh, you know, a lot of big risk to sometimes hit big in the Breeders' Cup. And like I said, he proved that. And I think he only put a $600 minimum into the race. Maybe he didn't even do that. I can't even remember, but he didn't bet a lot into the race and, it was a big double that got him there. Matt, you want to comment on something? Yeah, I, I do think the fact that the Classic isn't the last race to veteran-savvy tournament players is going to be very helpful. Uh, I do think the ordering of this stuff is really important. I mean it with all due respect to the combatants, but it makes the Classic just another race in this tournament. And before, it was an absolute must-win. And at this point, um, I actually think it's going to, if you play out the likely scenarios, I am expecting the Classic to be very, very overbet from a tournament perspective. You know, as the day goes on on Saturday, you don't always know which race is going to get the most money. I, without a question in my mind, people are going to be firing at the Classic because it's all people talk about going into the weekend. And so... Personally, I'm I'm willing to say it right here. It is my full intent to take a full pass on the race. Even if I had an opinion, I'd be betting it on the side. I am hopeful to watch a whole bunch of the tournament field knock, knock themselves out and hopefully clarify the picture for the rest of us who have been sitting there waiting what the new target is, if any. Drew or Marshall, either one of you want to comment on that or we can move on. It's up to you guys. No comment. Okay, I'll, 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 I, there's a question, though, that I think is interesting. Drew, I'm going to let you answer this question in uh, the live chat from Jeff Amster. How do you all ignore all the, quote, noise, unquote, to what, what others are saying about their proposed bets if you're all playing in the same room in Santa Anita? Just sort of honing in on what you do best and not worried about uh, what's going on around you, um, Drew. 
Yeah, I, I, I'll, have to, I'll take off the collusion part of it because we're all at the table together, right? We're all fighting each other. So there's this like gentleman's agreement of like, we're not going to talk about exactly what, like we'll share our opinions in the morning. Uh, but when we're placing big wagers, unless you're out, you've kind of got your cheerleader squad of consultants maybe um, to go like, all right, what, what does this, am I making sense if you're out? Now, from the noise perspective, I think the Portno example is fantastic. Uh, he had such a big bankroll leading into day two, and I I swung at Highfield Princess, lost, and had 3,700, so some odd number like that, and just made a march. And it didn't matter because I had set targets along the way of I wanted to have a certain number into this race and a certain number into that race. Um, and it continued to happen. And... Um, it, right. It was, I, I came up $3,000 short of what I wanted to, or $2,500 short of what I wanted to wager on um, flight line. But, you know, stick to your strategy. Cause if your strategy is at the right target until the very last second, that's all that matters. Well, and, and Jeff, I'll, I'll say this. No one stands up and loudly announces when they lose. Well, most people don't do that. And so after every race, there are there is a large number of people in the room that if you're trying to be fair about it, should be standing up just as loudly as the others saying, I'm out of the tournament now. Um, take take enjoyment in the quiet after some races. It means everybody else is unhappy. Uh, if there's only a couple people yelling, it's probably not that big a deal. If the whole room is erupting and you're sitting there quietly, it's probably a bad sign. But it just doesn't really happen that way. At the end of the tournament, these leaderboards look the same every single time. The same percentage of people walk away with money. The same percentage don't. I just don't get hung up on the way people get there. It's it, There's a lot of noise. It just doesn't matter. And I would say, Matt, too, if you're focused on the noise, you didn't do homework and have a game plan to figure out how to get it to the end zone. So if you're trying to react in, in you know, at two o'clock in the afternoon, uh, West Coast time, you're you're probably behind the eight ball already in terms of you didn't come prepared. You know, I, I think that's fair. I would agree. Let's go to the next question. Marshall, you're going to start uh, with this comment or this question. The last race, as we mentioned, is the sprint. Now, when I say strategy, obviously, you don't have to give out your specific you know, picks or your handicapping strategy, but because of this year and because, at least in my opinion, turf sprints are my least favorite race. They're, it's a complete cluster. If anyone says they know who's going to win the turf sprint, I, I don't know how you know that because all it takes is one slight steady, one weird break. It's just five furlongs on tight turns to San Anita. It's just, and there's no clear favor like a golden pal, even though he didn't get the job done last year. So, what do you think people are going to do? Are they going to play more doubles? Are they going to wait and just try to pound a win bet on, you know, elite power? I mean, what, what do you foresee happening? Or if you want to give any suggestions of what you might do, feel free. Well, I, you know, I think that, you know, Matt made this point earlier. I don't want to steal his thunder, but I think it's very important that, that, you know, we get to these last two races and the pool sizes are going to change. And so when we were betting into the classic, um, it can absorb a lot of that money in the sprint. Is it look? It's going to be a smaller field. There's going to be a heavy favorite. Now that's not all that different from last year, right? I mean, Flatland was a favorite in the 
um, in the classic, but Flatline could absorb a ton of money. I mean, look at how much Drew bet while Drew bet while Drew moved the number. It wasn't dramatic. Um, so I think that's something to consider. I mean, I, I do think that unless you you're looking for a real outsider in the sprint, you still need to be in a pretty good position. So you know, much like you know last year into the classic, you know, you probably need to, to you know have 20, 30, 40 grand at least to make a good exact punch. I think the same thing's true for the sprint. Again, I you know I, I don't like you. I don't love the turf sprint. Um, I, I very much doubt I bet that race unless I'm forced to. And so uh, uh, in the in the sprint itself. Um, I don't love it either. Um, and so, you know, I hope to either be out, or I hope not to be out, <laughs> but, but I will yeah. likely be out um, or, um, you know, be in a position to to make a, a swing to win the thing with a decent number. I, I will say, and I'm not afraid to, you know, give some opinions or some strategy that I'm going to be doing. As of now, unless something strange, uh, strange happens, there's no way I'm playing a big double from the turf sprint to the sprint. I'm going to be the opposite of Matt. I'm going to be playing in the classic because it's wide open. I think you can really, I think there's value in that race as well. Although there've been some recent defections, but it's still a pretty wide open race. And my distaste for turf sprints, Matt and everyone else, I just, I can't go all in on like a double per se. So I'm going to try to uh, do what Matt is suggesting a lot of people are going to do, which is, uh, you know, fire, maybe not everything into the classic, but a decent amount to get to the point where I can play what I want to play in the sprint. Frank, your thoughts from a strategic standpoint for the BCBC with the sprint in the last race with a certainly not a one to nine, but I'd say elite power. I'll throw out six to five in the sprint. Yeah, I think it's it's going it, to that race is going to play just like the classic in, in, in the last 20 years of this contest or whatever they had 15 years, that race is going to get bet by these contest players real hard. Everybody's going to know where the leaderboard is, who's on top, uh, who might be live to certain things or whatever by paying attention to that leaderboard moving, you know, previous races. So that race is going to take a ton of action. And if it is a, you know, a big favorite who you like and who you think is going to win flight line ish, uh, then you better have a decent sized bankroll or, you know, be willing to bet a five or $10,000 straight try, whatever that might be. But um, that that's a possibility. You know, if I'm down to 5,000 left of my bankroll, which is not likely because I probably wouldn't leave myself with 5,000. But if I did have 5,000, um, I, I can see myself making a huge trifecta there because, you know, all of us are playing for value. And if I could turn a try that's going to pay $40 for a dollar into, you know, 40 to one that way into whatever the math turns out to be. And Marshall can give me the exact math. He does this every day. But if you could turn that big try into huge uh, value, then that's what you got to do. And that's what you should be ready to do if you're playing in this contest, in my opinion. And Drew, I will say, oh, go ahead, Marshall. Oh, you're muted, Marshall, I believe. You're muted, Marshall. Because it's Santa Anita, they will have try, I mean, for what they're worth, right? Because they'll move a lot. But they will have try will pay. So you will have a good feel for what you might get. You probably want to chop them in half before you actively bet them, just like maybe you would with your exact will pays. But there are, you know, they're a little bit more tote information we'll get than we would normally get. That's a fascinating comment. And Drew, the, from a pure handicapping standpoint, people going all in or playing a big amount on a – on a on a mid pack or a closer at Santa Anita and going six furlongs is a little bit risky 
in my opinion, as good as elite power is, guys, um, or unless you're midnight loot or someone out of this world, and elite power is really good. I just want to throw that out there to the betters. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm not saying do do it. I'm just saying it's not nearly as obvious as Flightline last year, who not only was a monster but had early speed and a track where you'd want to have some early speed. So it, it's going to be fascinating. Let's go on to the next uh, uh, comment here, next topic. And I'm Matt, I'm going to have you answer this one first. Is there, uh, are you focusing on one horse or one race at this point, six days out? to get to that point before you go all in or whatever you're going to be doing. So I haven't looked at a single race yet. I haven't, (laughs) (laughs) I haven't done any of the normal homework I do, which includes looking through the daily racing form. I then supplement that with Pete Fornitales in the money podcasts and your podcasts. That's the plan on the airplane going out. Uh, But Honestly, as I look for my spots, I am certain that you know, the one place I will be looking in advance of all of that are the final two races. My hope is a huge win bet on Elite Power. I don't mind just saying that. It will be huge. Um, and my hope is if I have enough, uh, I do think that this Daily Double is going to be a tricky one compared to prior years. That. I do not think this pool is going to be large enough to take what some people are going to want to do to it. So my hope is to have something in the double pool masked so that nobody knows what that is. And so it's not so obvious what my caveman win bet at the end is, but uh, something along those lines. So I would love to find a winner of that penultimate race if I can. Uh, But for me, it's elite power in the end. Frank, is there a, a for you a, a horse or a race you're focusing on bef- to get to the point to go all in or whatever? No, at this point, yeah, at this point, no. I mean, I, I'll do that. Start when the past performances come out tomorrow, sure. all day Tuesday, Wednesday. You know, uh, I'll be ready by the time I get on that plane Thursday morning. I'll have a good idea of of my strategy for the whole weekend uh, for both days. Uh, by the time I get on the plane Thursday and obviously odds and other factors could change scratches, but I'll have a good idea of what races I'm betting and, and, and how much I'm betting in each race potentially, but not at this point. Uh, Matt, you got to found pretty cool right now. Matt's just sort of very blase at times. Uh, from right. Tom Espinoza from San Francisco. So cool about BCBC. It made snow in Arcadia. I don't think so, Tom. It's be 80 and sunny for sure. This is a real good question. I'm going to throw this to you, Drew. Um, and it's, it's for me, it says for me on the screen, but I'll throw it to you, Drew home cooking. How much does that play in your handicapping horses already stable at San Nita? Traditionally horses that have been out West in certain races, there, there are trends. And by the way, shout out to in the money media. You are the business manager. They've already sent out some information about trends at San Nita. It's not, you know, cut and dry, but there are certainly uh, some trends for certain horses, uh, out at San Nita, Drew. But I also will say, Aspison, the Euros, other people are going out there. Archangelo and Jen Antonucci, they are seeming seemingly going out there a lot earlier than they used to. So I don't know if that bias is going to exist as much this year. But Drew, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's the biggest race of the year uh, for all of these horses that are coming out. So. If it's a normal Saturday at Santa Anita, maybe I'm paying a little bit more attention to it, but I trust that these trainers are at the top of their class. 
Um, you know, Cody's wish, I did have a little bit of a thought when I think that horse won at four to one, three to one, somewhere in that range of this horse hasn't lost in Kentucky and it was a quirky horse. So that, that kind of played into the, well, maybe likes the surroundings, but I try to ignore it for the most part and make sure that who the horses are racing against and earning their figures against matter and not so much what the track exactly is. Marshall, you're obviously very um, astute with betting at Oaklawn and other places. Bias out at San Nita, do you, how much does that come to a factor for horses that either stabled there or have run there before? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, speed on the dirt is very relevant in California. And um, so, you know, look, I don't – I think now that 40 years into the Breeders' Cup and horses shipping all over the place, I'm not particularly worried about it. You know, I always do wonder about, you know, West Coast – speed figures whether they really as fast or as slow as they might be so there's you know that i think is the trickier part than you know how our shippers may handle it or or you know what, what the form comparisons are so um so yeah that's you know again it'll be i'm i'm looking for a, a fast horse i'm not necessarily going to jump on the home team or the away team frank quick opinion on that yeah no nothing there for me i don't look into that very little if at all the one thing I did found here today, and I think I heard this correctly, nobody got to work over the turf course this week or the last couple of weeks, except for the Euros, which I thought was really weird. And maybe someone could find out if that was truth. But I thought by walk, watching Breakfast at the Breeders' Cup, I think I heard that. And that seems a little weird to me that they would let the Euros do that. The Euros have been allowed to work only, but I I could be wrong. I believe starting tomorrow, everyone's going to be able to work on the turf. They've been okay. just trying to save it a little bit, even the outer paths where the dogs are out. But I believe you're correct, Frank. But I think that's changing tomorrow. Um, I think I – and Matt may know why I'm, I know that uh, because um, I have a certain interest in, in the turf races. Um, Matt, since you haven't even handicapped the races, I won't ask you that question. But let's go on to the next question, guys. Um, and, Matt, I'm, this is going to be a roundtable, guys. So just real quick, I'm going to throw a few horses out there that are big Moreline favorites. You plan on pounding them or trying to beat them? Quick whip around. We'll just go Drew. We'll just snake it around, guys. We'll go Drew. Actually, I got to do the opposite. Drew, well, I can't even do it with a circle. Drew, Matt, um, Marshall, and Frank, and then we'll just go the other direction, guys, like a fantasy draft. Pound or fade, Drew, Tamara Friday. I haven't looked. I'm sorry. This is going to be a this is going to wow. be a bad second. Okay. Fair enough. Matt, I have, yeah. Pound. pound for Matt. Not, not fully. I don't want to go too crazy. But not that, full pound. That, Can we talk about Cave Rock for five seconds? You had a, you were all in. I think on one entry, I I played a big bet on him last year. It's two year olds, man, and you know Tamara has never gone two turns. I know it's the daughter of a holder, blah blah blah. She's gonna be three to five. She's never. I know it's Mandela. She's never been two turns, and it's two year olds, Matt. I mean, I don't know. Uh, We've look, seen crazier things. I don't mind just saying it. You have to play three minimums on Friday per entry. Okay, for this one, I'll probably play a $600 double going into that horse and then use up another minimum with another one going out of that same horse. So that for me is a pound on Friday where I don't want to really push all in, but I'll, I'll, I'll probably take two minimums on that horse. Marshall, pound or fade Tamara Friday? Yeah, I'm pound. I mean, nothing, not not all in, but right. but, you know, I'm with. Frank? 
Yeah, I w- I'd have to say neither, I guess. I, I don't think at this point I'd, that that would be something that I would be making a bet on um, that early in the contest uh, or making it that big of a bet against. So as of right now, the all the favorites to me, there's not a good question to probably to ask me because I, I really wouldn't have uh, on Friday betting a lot against or on on Friday. I would say for myself a semi-pound. I just don't trust two-year-olds. I'm not going to make the same mistake next year. That being said, she might win by 10 and stuff me into a locker and a small minimum bet or whatever, but that's fine. I'll actually, there's a horse in that race. I'm quite interested in that's uh, possibly upset Tamara. Uh, let's go to Saturday. Cody. We'll start with Cody's wish. We'll start with you, Frank. Yeah, that that's a tough one. I mean, I had it in the back of my mind. Even last year, I wasn't a big Cody's wish fan because of the two turn thing, but obviously my son's thought differently and he hit the double. So that's why this is a great game. Uh, I'm still a little negative against Cody's wish at the two turns, even though the horse did win last year. So I, I will. when it comes to that, if, if I had to say right now, I'd be betting against Cody's wish most likely. Marshall? I'm a, I'm a big fade. The problem is the field is kind of crappy outside of Cody's wish. Okay. Matt? That's a full pass for me. I'm lucky enough to be semi semi connected to the situation as it is. And uh, my heart is with uh, that great family as much as possible. I, I don't need to get involved in the betting side. As am I, as I showed before, we had go to our YouTube channel, episode 298. Again, episode 298 on our YouTube channel. We interviewed the entire Dorman family, including young man Cody Dorman as well, live. It was an unbelievable show. I think everyone on this screen uh, will be cheering for Cody's wish. Uh, and and if you know, even if you have maybe a bet on on someone else, Drew, uh, pure handicapping, pound or fade Cody's wish. Yeah, and I've I've actually taken a close look at this one. This is one of the few ones I have because I had to do a, a write up by tomorrow, right there. <laughs> okay. uh, so got that work done. Uh, pound. Um, Big pound. I I found it fascinating how they rode Cody's wish last time. I thought they sent him into the, near the contentious pace, and although it was a slow pace, but much different than the normal running style. And I think it was a paid workout. And that old saying of Billmont with a target, I think he's ready to go out with a bang, and he doesn't want to get this horse embarrassed. I think this is a huge pound, especially if some of the speeds stay into this race. So. Right now, as it stands, I if I'm getting two to one, watch out. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're not getting two to one. <laughs> well, I, mean, I mean, like at two to one, I'm a pound. I mean, this is like yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that too, Marshall. Yeah, I'm a pound at two to one. Yeah, I was a fade, but I'm a fade at three to four to five. Yeah, but I'm like, yeah. yeah. For two to one, it's shit, trading, I mean, it's changed the whole argument. It's trading at an unbelievable price overseas. So get down. Hmm. It is. I've, I saw as high as like seven to two or something. Now, now it's nine to four right now. Okay. Interesting. So, I mean, I'm not far off in what I'm, I mean, on the day. You could be right. Uh, two to one. Two. I, I'm in between guys. I have a, a long shot I like a lot. And people are wondering, why don't you just say, well, we'll, we'll talk about it on my Tuesday and Wednesday shows or our Tuesday and Wednesday shows here on the podcast. You hear all my detailed opinions that I'm single race. Guys, just for time purposes, and we have three more questions still, just without the explanation, just pound or fade. I know we love talking horse racing, but I think this is really good for the contest players and betters even outside of the contest. Again, we'll go, Drew will go first. Pound or fade, good night, Olive. Pound. Matt? 
Pound. Marshall. Pound. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, Frank. Well, I, well, obviously I'm fading because those three are getting knocked out on a good night olive. There so go. I have to go the opposite. So there we go. Oh. <laughs> See, that's the only reason why we have this show. It's not for the people at home viewing or watching. It's so the five of us can get intel on each other. That, that's that's the only right. Uh-huh. Uh, all right. <laughs> Frank, Frank, last one. We sort of answered this already. Uh, Pounder fade elite power, Frank. Yeah, of all the favorites, that's probably the one that I right now I would say is probably the most likely that if I had a pound of favorite, uh, that would be the one. But I'm hoping I'm not having to do that when it comes to that point because I'm not a big pound favorite guy in general. That's just not my style. So uh, hopefully I don't have to do that. If I am in that situation, it'll be a more so a big exacta or big tries as opposed to just pounding a win bet. Well, that's all we have. Well, let's all hope we have money going to the last race to play it. Marshall? Uh, mild fade. Mild fade. Matt? Single. Pound. Uh, Drew? Tepid. Play it. I am a partial. I'm, I'm a tepid fade uh, in that race. Uh, all right, guys. We have, what, three more questions again. Guys, the audience is absolutely huge tonight. We have a lot of great questions. Thank you to everyone out there. Again, we're the last three BCBC champs. An excellent contest player, uh, Frank Mustari. Uh, I'm your host, Howard Kravitz, contest player as well. Three more questions, guys, and I'll just uh, pick particular people. A little shout-out to the handicapping tools that you use or where do you get your advice from? Frank, let's, let's ask you that question. The tools that I typically use, uh, I use Bristnet because I like their their pace uh, stuff. I, I I use it for them. I'm a Ragazin guy, and then all my own figures, numbers, I try to do as much as I can, uh, more so for the Kentucky circuit. So I do have numbers on most of the Kentucky horses, but um, that's usually you know where I get all my help and advice. I, I take advice from nobody. I don't like to hear whatever anybody has to say. I don't listen to podcasts because I don't want to be swayed one way or the other. You know, there's certain times where uh, a guy Not even this who one I, once in a while. Come on, Frank. No, <laughs> I don't listen to anybody. And, That's okay. You know, there's okay. a cup. There's a couple people that I talk to on a regular basis, and not that I don't respect anybody. I just like to make my own opinions, and I don't want to be swayed in any way, shape, or form. The worst thing is when there's a guy who tells me he loves a horse. And I know he's a losing handicapper and it's the same horse I love. I really struggle with that mentally. So I just don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to hear from anybody, anything. And uh, so I, I just get all my, I take my, all my, my advice comes from me and strictly me only. Paralysis by analysis. I just, I just talked to Matt before you guys came on that I am, listening to less and less people every year it doesn't mean i'm smarter or more arrogant or frank i feel the same way as you do i mean if you're confident with your own abilities you've had some success just sometimes the noise just gets way too crazy matt i'm gonna let you answer this question and then drew and marshall if you want to chime in you can otherwise we'll move on so it's funny i would say my play as a player transformed when i realized that other people were better at this than i am by a lot and so I do still handicap for the Breeders' Cup because it's fun and I enjoy it, but I go in the exact opposite direction. My ears are completely open. I think I have a decent skill at synthesizing everything I hear from the various trusted sources I have. And over the years, that's 
somehow landed me on a whole bunch of winners. And so uh, the plan is exactly the same this year. I still like to look and do it myself. I don't want to fully toss my own opinion out the window, but uh, there are people like you, like Pete, like a Nick Tamro, uh, like Marshall. I mean, these are the same people I listen to on these shows. Uh, they have a far more educated handicapping view than I have, and I see no reason to challenge that. Uh, well, Marshall, myself- quit telling them everything then, would you please? Because you're <laughs> helping them out too much, obviously. <laughs> Well, as far as my answer, I like, I, I will trust myself for the dirt. And then on the turf, I listen to other people. And so there are times in this contest where I've gone all in on my own opinions. Uh, Love's only you, which, you know, someone else, a couple other people had mentioned, I went all in on her and uh, I, you know, that was using someone else's opinion. So dirt races, it's all, it's me. Uh, turf races, I'm, I'm listening. My ears are open. I personally use DRF Formulator. I think they're fantastic. They they have live links, especially for breeding and many other things. And Time Forward in U.S., I think Craig Milkowski does an unbelievable job. They have color-coded early and late pace figures that, for me, are absolutely invaluable. So I'll just throw those two wonderful tools out there. Two more questions, guys, then we'll maybe take a few questions from the chat uh, as well. I have to bring this up, and I'm going to let you stay, uh, You start first, Frank, only because we had this conversation before the show. Uh, do you have any personal roots? Do you know anyone involved that has horses in the Breeders' Cup? Any intel that you might want to share to the betters out there? Well, I, the, my personal route is, you know, no balls, and hopefully one-timer gets in the uh, turf The turf sprint. Um, I'll be with uh, Larry Ravelli. Uh, the whole weekend, and uh, like it was on Derby Day, um, I had the greatest experience of my life, Derby Week, spending it with uh, Larry Ravelli, Vinny Foglia, and the whole uh, two full, two fills and no balls guys. And um, it's 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 probably to the point, even if I'm not betting one of his horses in that turf sprint, um, if he wins that race. Uh, I wouldn't mind going broke if he won that race, let's say, even if I was betting against them, because uh, he's a great friend. They're great friends. I have some horses with uh, Ravelli and and, and Vinny Foglia, his biggest owner. So that I will be rooting. Uh, I'll probably be rooting harder for his horse than I do, even if I was coming down the stretch with the lead in the Breeders' Cup betting challenge. That's uh, that's kind of how I look at some of that stuff. So I'll, I'll be all in uh, – uh, emotionally on, on his horses in the turf sprint. For people that don't know, Marshall is a managing partner. I don't know your exact, I can't recall your exact title, but anyway, he's in charge of 10 strike racing. Does an unbeatable job. Are there any 10 strike horses in the breeders no. cup or do you have any personal, uh, no, no personal uh, roots? No, no rooting interests outside of, you know, I, I mean, next and Archangelo are two of my favorite horses. I, I love next. So I'll be rooting for them. I don't, now, I don't think next will be bettable because I think he could be the shortest price of those two days, and I think yeah. he'll likely win by twenty. Um, but uh, but he's one of my favorites in racing. I gotta say, Marshall, I was sort of hoping you go to the classic. Maybe I maybe mm-hmm. I maybe that's a bad idea, but I I, I well, thought they should have gone to the classic. I, I I wish they'd gone to the Jockey Club Gold Cup, and then they could have sort of at least tested the waters. Yeah, but I uh, hear but anyway, Matt, do you know anyone that's got a horse uh, in the Breeders' Cup or any personal roots? Uh, certainly, like I said, a very tangential member of Team Cody's Wish, but uh, Crownsway Racing, uh, Shards in the Juvenile Turf Sprint, Howard, uh, 
<laughs> it's, it's unbelievable that this horse drew in after I think being fourth on the AE list, but uh, both, uh, so Howard and various co-hosts of his, Pete, Paul, and Kyle, each own a share of that. Uh, for me, that's going to make that race a full pass and just a hard route. I do think for what it's worth, and uh, you know, Howard's going to have a hard time saying this, I think it does have a chance. It's uh, it, it just as easily could have won that race in which it came in third. And uh, those races tend to be crazy. I'm not going to be going to the windows and betting a dollar. I don't bet friends' horses, but it's a hard route. Shards in the, in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile uh, service friend Kelsey Danner, guys, is an unbelievable trainer, very underrated. And Shards has a chance to hit the board at a big price. Like Matt said, watch the Indian Summer Stakes, the last, uh, the replay of his last run where he finished a very close third uh, to admissed waves and committee of one who won the race. Drew, real quick, any personal roots or uh, anything you want to share on that end? Yeah, I'd love to see Fev Rover do well. Uh, Woodbine uh, Shipper coming down, uh, raced overseas a little bit as well. I think Fev Rover is a fascinating horse. It has a bit of a zigzag pattern right now, but if uh, if you can put it all together, it could be uh, could be interesting against the the big hitters of uh, its spiral and uh, warm heart. So Fev Rover, very cool. She's in she's in great form right now, guys. Last last question of the night. We'll go a whip around and this is going to involve also questions in the in the chat i think this is an extremely important topic i mean we all want to grow the game you guys all do a great job growing the game in your own way advice for any new or inexperienced contest players specifically in this year's bcbc drew i'll let you go first yeah and i mean i'm gonna steal a book out of matt or a page out of matt's book essentially on all of this is like you know, plant, plot a course. I mean, if you're inexperienced, either find someone who wants to go in with you and not collude, right? But share some financial interests. But in this race, it's not the, this contest, that's not the place to do it. If you're inexperienced, take, uh, take $70 or $75 or $750 and write out what you, how you would play. And if you play in the right way, you should have a great day. I mean, maybe you don't, like win a contest uh, thereabouts, but that's how I play my weekly contest play as it were, is just pretending I'm in my own contest for XYZ bankroll, trying to hit a 15 or 20 X target. And it's a lot more efficient than just playing any horizontal wagers. So that's, that would be my advice is stay out of the deep waters for the time being, not from a, you don't know how, what you're doing, but uh, Hey, get comfortable with it. Uh, get, get adjusted to it. Matt, I know you're a very aggressive player, but there is absolutely, I'll just say my opinion. There's absolutely no shame in throwing in 10,000. You know, 2,500 does go to a prize pool, though. So starting with 7,500 and not, you know, putting $20,000 in the last race to try to win the damn thing and walk away with 15 or 20. There is no shame. Everyone's got a different lifestyle. Everyone's got people to answer to, family members, wives, kids. Etc. This is not for everyone. So for you new and experienced players, I'll just simply say, do what you're comfortable with. But there are certain, there is certain strategy involved in these contests for sure. Uh, and I think as Drew said it, you, you're paying 2,500 bucks to enter the tournament. And that's the only place where I'll start disagreeing with people. If you're paying a large entry fee and have no plan 
to actually access the prize pool because you're unwilling to do the things you need to do to get there, you shouldn't have paid your 2,500 bucks. Although I'm really not kidding when I say the experience is amazing. You get really good seats. They treat you well. I don't know if it's a $2,500 value or not, but you do get quite a bit of value out of going to this thing. The, the advice I would give to inexperienced players, uh, and it's funny, I, it, when Drew says he's taking a page out of my book, I am literally in the process right now of writing this exact book. So this is coming out, but I would say to players who haven't even done this much, treat it like you're playing a game of Monopoly. Try to forget the fact that it's real money just focus on the game at hand. Whether you've won your entry, my guess is you have, because if you've paid the full 10 grand, you're probably pretty comfortable with this. But if you've won an entry, just treat it like a game. In the same way, you wouldn't worry about spending Monopoly cash and whatnot. Within the context of this game, play the game. And when the game's over, go back to real life and be financially responsible like you otherwise would. That's my advice. Marshall, new and experienced contest players. Yeah, again, uh, you know, just echoing all that they said. I think the other important thing is maybe you're not going to feel comfortable doing like what Drew did or shooting for the win, but you don't have to play to win. You can play to try to hit the board and get added money from that. But remember that to finish 20th last year was $32,000. So you've got to think about how to grow your bankroll by at least four times. And if, you, if you're unwilling to lose your money, then – you know, maybe this is just not worth playing or it's worth selling your entry. But, you know, if you can do do the work to maybe get to 40 or to 60 to put yourself in a position to shoot for that at the end, I don't think there's any shame in that. There are plenty of tournaments where, you know, if I'm not in a position to win, I'll take less risk and try to hit the board because there's added money in that as well. Frank, final thoughts uh, for new and experienced contest players. Yeah, I think a lot of people, I don't know the exact numbers, but I'm pretty sure that the people – a lot of people have qualified in for this BCBC. It's probably well over 100 to 100, probably between 100 and 200 people have qualified in. And for those people, if you're coming to the BCBC for the first time, be prepared for one. You know, know what you, your plan is for both days. Don't just handicap the first three races on day Friday on Friday and then say, I'll do the rest later. Be prepared Start doing it as soon as the PP come out or even before, like a lot of us have. Um, and then if you just want to structure wagers and just play all your minimums. So if you want to, because if you want to go for the prize pool, you got to play all your minimums. So just bet your minimums every race, but structure it to where that $600 might get you back fifteen or 20000 I mean, you could make you know, $20 try boxes or $20 try or $50, $40 try keys, which is not a huge jump at betting like Drew did last year, 90 some thousand to win on flight line. You know, the people who are willing to do that are so few and far between in this contest. I mean, uh, but play your minimums, but structure it to where if that's $600, you got a betty trace, don't try to get back 1500 because that's not doing any good for you. Try to structure a ticket to where you're going to cash for fifteen or twenty thousand each time you do it, and if you do it two or three times over the whatever that's going to be ten or twelve bets, which is still hard to do, we know that. But if you do it, you're going to be on that leaderboard, and and you're not taking what I call huge risks because once you make a score, 
and you're at 50 or 80 or 90,000, it's still your money at that point. And to a lot of people, that's potentially life-changing money, even to a lot of people playing in this contest. That's, uh, you know, probably a lot more than some people who are have won their way in might make in a year. So to just bet that 50,000 back to say, I want to win the BCBC for some people is not the right move. And then you got to go home and explain that to your wife that, oh, I did great. I got to 50,000, but I'm on the flight home and I got nothing. You know, that that is not what is necessarily the right move for probably a good majority of the people here. It helps when your wife's there watching you enter in those uh, $97,000 worth of tickets. <laughs> that, that the conversation was already had up front. Listen, guys, it's this has been just so much fun. I really appreciate all of you coming on real quick for people at home. We have a fantastic tip sheet. It's only 20 bucks, people. And it's got a great analysis for both days. Look below the video player for information on our Breeders' Cup Power Picks tip sheet. All you have to do is go to our website, hhhracingpodcast.com. Guys, it's been an absolute pleasure. I hope all of us are at the leaderboard there towards the end of the BCBC. Let the best man or woman uh, win who's going to be playing in the contest. I look forward to seeing all you guys out there in California in less than a week. Safe travels and good luck for 2022 champion Drew Coatney, 2021 champion Matt Miller, 2020 champion Marshall Graham, an excellent contest player, maybe 2023 champion Frank Musari. This has been your host, Howard Kravitz, episode 302 of the HHH Racing Podcast. And as we say at the end of our shows, Crush your bets in this year's Breeders' Cup. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Racing podcast, you're missing out. It's one of the best podcasts in the country.